uh, the Technical Advisory Committee for Mojave Water Agency to order at 10 a.m. And uh, with that, we'll ask Mr. Daniel Best to uh, lead us in the pledge. States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, justice for all. Thank you, Dan. Um, and, and thank you, everybody, for braving the inclement weather and coming out today, and uh, those online as well. Um, we'll start with introductions, and I know Latrice has a mic, so. Please uh, loudly and clearly state your name and, and who you're representing. Hello, my name is Joseph Salazar. I'm a new employee here at um, Mojave Water Agency, and I work under the Watermaster. Good morning. Good morning, Todd Tatum. Today I'm here with uh, Jonathan Weldy of Silverwood. All right, uh, Daniel Best with Bighorn Desert View. Dave Chapman, Bighorn Desert View. Megan Closties, Desert View. Uh, Marina West, Division Two, Mojave Water Agency, and Bighorn Desert View. Darren Polson, Victor Valley Wastewater Reclamation Authority. Delilah Boyce, Mojave Water Agency. Chuck Bell, Lucerne Valley. Jeff Roosh, Mojave Water. Uh, Jeff Gastra, Newberry Springs. Jeremy Caudell, Liberty, Apple Valley. Wesley Massal, Mojave Water Agency. Latrice Jones, Mojave Water Agency. George Cardenas, Phelan Pinning Hills Community Services District. Jennifer Oaks, also Phelan uh, Pinning Hills. Susan Kennedy with Fenner Gap Mutual Water Company. Lane Carlson with WSC, giving a presentation on Replenish Big Bear. Elizabeth Rapp, Mojave Water Agency. And then if we can get who's online. Uh, we have online Zanjera Ramirez, Brian Hamner, Bridget Bowden, uh, unknown callers, Cassandra Sanchez, Charlene Anderson, Energen from Mojave Water Agency, David Lawrence, David Stalson, Deborah Phillips, Glenn Jacklin, Holly Sherlapar, Jared Myler, Justin Jenkins, Director Hoffman, Director Cox, um, Marissa Arcier, um, Director Limbar, Mike Simpson. Uh, just I have a T. De La Rosa, Troy Thompson, and Valerie Weinenstein. Very good. Thank you. Um, next, we'll go to um, approval of agenda. Um, we will be removing item 10, which is the update on the ad hoc committee on urban water use objectives. Uh, that was discussed at executive tech to pull that one off. So 
Um, we'll, we'll remove that at this time. So I'll ask for somebody to uh, for a motion to approve agenda minus that. Thank you, Chuck. We have a first and a second. Any opposed? Seeing none, we'll consider the agenda approved. Um, item five is adoption of committee meeting summary from December 7th. I need a motion to approve. Thank you, Chuck. A second? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and with that, um, we'll consider those adopted as well. So moving on, um, we are trying something a little new today. If you notice, we've turned the... Uh, Podium, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We've turned it around so um, presenters can address the uh, TAC members instead of just, it feels like we're on an island up here getting the presentation all alone. So uh, we'll see how that works. Uh, hopefully it's not awkward, but um, I think it's gonna be beneficial. So, um, so moving on to item six, uh, we have an update on Delta Conveyance Project by Mojave Water Agency and Adnan uh, has agreed to give a verbal presentation. Good morning, thank you, yes, and I'll be pretty brief here. Not too much to update on. I expect um, as the year develops, um, we'll have some more information to bring um, and in the interest of time, because our, our agenda oh, is very long. Can anybody hear us? Yeah. One now more. we can hear you. Oh. I can hear you. I don't hear anybody from the office, though. Okay. <laughs> can you hear us? So they're in... having probably some technical difficulties, or the uh, people on the TAC haven't arrived yet? They're scrolling through the agenda items, so. <laughs> I, can, I can see people in the room. <laughs> if you can hear, they're working on it right now. They can hear each other. They can't hear their own. We'll blame it on the rain today.
This is, I don't think I've seen this. <laughs> I think it's like Frankenstein's monster. There's probably some old stuff and some new stuff. At risk to failing. <laughs> I wouldn't have said anything, but I do. <laughs> yes, I'm a stickler. Yeah. Why don't you watch it again or read it again? Learn what you're talking about. This thing. Calling him one more time. We need a we need a plan B. I don't know what they are. <laughs>
Please enter your access code followed by the pound or hash sign. To enable audio controls, please enter your audio PIN followed by the Almost. Yeah. Are they? Are we in? Testing one two three. Can you all respond on the um, go to if you can hear us in the room here? Yeah, oh, I can hear it. Great. I can hear it. I can hear it. Thank you for your patience. Yes, can, you hear, can you hear me? We can we can hear you. Am I going? I'm I'm on your I'm on the phone connection. I cannot get into go to meeting. I'm on, I'm on the telephone. We can hear who's on the telephone. So, and I think we have a go to meeting communication established again. I think we're good to go, uh, Doug. So, You're good um, to go. if you want to maybe recap for those online, the, the items that we went through. Yeah. So, we're quick. currently on item six where Adnan's going to get a, an, an update on the Delta conveyance project. Uh, we've gone through obviously the call to order, pledge, introductions, approval of agenda, and adoption of the previous meeting minutes. So we're on to the meat of the meeting. So you really didn't miss much. Um, uh, this is our first real action item to jump into. So with that, Adnan, I'll kick it off to you. Thank you. Um, so I'll be very brief. Um, the uh, couple of major milestones with Delta Conveyance Project for those following, um, just to, just to connect the dots. Um, this is the tunnel project in the Delta um, to uh, restore lost reliability of the state water project as well as bring us into the future uh, amidst climate change. Um, this was, you know, there, there were versions of this project called Water Fix, the Bay Delta Conservation Plan, and so on. The current formulation is Delta Conveyance Project. Um, back in July, the project, the Department of Water Resources released a draft EIR for the project. Um, they received comments, and um, uh, that period, I think, ended either in December of that same year or early January of 2023. Um, DWR got to working on the final EIR for the project, which got released uh, just last month. Um, no, we're in February, so two months ago, in December, uh, December 8th. And then they certified the project on December 21st, which means they've selected a project alternative. There is a proposed project now. Um, uh, and so this is a major milestone for the project. Um, I expect to see a lot more momentum build. Uh, there has been a lot of support from uh, all state agencies on the project, recognizing um, that if uh, the water supply to you know, 27 to 30 million American, you know, Californians is to remain um, viable going to the future that uh, investments to modernize conveyance um, are, are necessary. So a um, couple of major uh, pieces still left are related to permitting. These are the pre-construction efforts before we can actually break ground on a project. Um, the first being the uh, water, water rights. Can you mute that? Could I ask, is the meeting going? The meeting is going. If you could, you please mute your phone. We, did you hear the briefing? I did for for a moment, and then it stopped. 
They lost it again. Can you not hear us anymore? Can you folks hear me on the phone? I can hear yeah, you, but I can't hear the meeting. Yeah, we can I, hear I lost you. the meeting. Yeah, same here. I lost the meeting. Got but a couple of minutes, and that was it. Yeah, me too. So I don't know if there's anything on the agenda that impacts the Air Force at Georgia Air Force Base. Unmuted. I'm just here because they invited me. Can you hear us? I hear you. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened. We'll resume. Sorry for that. Okay. I'm not exactly sure where I left off, but I think I talked about the um, the Delta Conveyance Project EIR the final EIR and the certification of that happening in December of last year. Um, we're now at the, uh, uh, the next major milestones to be accomplished for the Delta Conveyance Project are in the permitting realm. Uh, these are the, the last essentially pre-construction activities expected, one on the water rights hearing and change of point of diversion. That's um, conducted through the state board. Um, hearings expected to begin later this year, uh, going through till uh, 2026. And um, also the uh, Delta Plan Consistency Determination, which is a process um, through the Delta Stewardship Council. So those two major efforts still to be done um, and expected to be completed by the end of 2026. Um, we are expecting to see updated cost figures for the uh, Delta Conveyance Project as well as benefit analysis probably mid-middle of this year. And so um, uh, we'll be happy to provide an update at that time when we get more information. And so that's it. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to uh, move to questions if there are any, and then um, so we can get moving on the agenda. Real quick question, please. Go ahead. Yes. Can you hear me? Are there any agenda items that impact on George Air Force Base? I'm, I'm with the Air Force. I, I joined because you invited us, but I didn't know if there's any Air Force Base agenda items. No items on the on that. So I'm trying to figure out why he wanted us to listen, but just good information, but we're not really involved. Yeah, we, we certainly appreciate you attending today. Um, I would suggest you look at the agendas in the future and see the items on there. There, there are sometimes we'll be discussing uh, water quality or, or uh, the state of the health of the basin, um, things things of that nature that would be of interest to you, I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Where can the agenda be found? That'll be found online. You can get to it through uh, mojavewater.org. Do I have that right? That's right. Thank you. You bet. Any other questions? I, I just have one. How... how um, how stale are the cost estimates on this? I mean, I know in our in our city, man, we've seen things double, even triple over the past year. Yep, um, good question. Uh, the last cost estimate produced for the project with a wide band of uncertainty, of course, but it was around $15.9 billion. Um, I think that was produced in 2020. Um, so this has been a quite a while. We know... Um, 
through the COVID uh, supply chain issues, we've seen you know very high escalation uh, factors applied to a lot of estimates going forward, as well as inflation. So uh, that's one of the things we're going to expect with the uh, any new uh, uh, estimate to be produced, kind of an explanation of how the, the, the value of the dollar has changed so that you can sort of correct for that, because you're right, yes. Um, $15.9 billion today just for, you know, advanced to today's dollar and construction cost um, escalation is significantly more. Going to be a scary number. Okay. Wow. Any, any other questions? All righty. With that, we will move on to item number seven, and that is a state water project, up, yeah, water project update uh, by the agency, and Melody has this one. Yes, so this was brought before Executive TAC. There was a request to kind of discuss an overview of the complexities of the state water project from 2023. Um, unfortunately, Christy is not able to be here. She's on vacation, probably getting flooded out up in Mammoth. And Mike is trying to get ahead of these storms working on the R-Cube leak. So you get me today. Um, so we're going to go over kind of a, a broad overview from last year when the state started offering the health and safety and then the increase in allocations. We're gonna look at some of the reservoir supplies and then do a real quick outlook for what we have um, right now. So TAC has heard a lot about the, the impacts regionally from the storms from Mr. Tony Winkle and we've seen the natural hydrology firsthand in the storms uh, moving down the river, especially you know, even in the early summer, we had floats out to Hinkley and some of those regions. But we haven't uh, dove too much into uh, what's been going on with the state water project at the TAC level. So real quick, for just some general context, as we all know, California is complex with the hydrology. A majority of the precipitation falls in the northern two-thirds of California. However, the majority of the population lives in southern California. So the State Water Project is operated by DWR. It is a multi-purpose water storage and delivery system. So it's used for recreation and storage. So it extends more than 705 miles. That is two-thirds of the length of California. And it is the nation's biggest user-financed water and power generator that can deliver water to uh, of about 2.4 million acre feet per year. And that's dependent on hydrology and a number of exceptions that the state puts into play. So in addition to the canals, rivers, reservoirs, pipelines, it consists of hydroelectric power facilities that can deliver clean water to millions of America, uh, Californians. And then it also is responsible for a lot of our ag. So about 40% of the state water project goes to ag use and 70% is for residential and municipal use. So MWA is one of 29 state water contractors. We are on the East Branch with roughly 2% um, allocated to us. Our allocation right now is at 89,000 800 acre feet, that's our total table A allocation. That's not what we get every year. So I wanna make that clear as we move forward. There's a lot of unknowns with the State Water Project. You'll hear us say that a lot. There's a lot of variability. There's DWR restrictions. Some of them are due to environmental issues. Some of them are due to maintenance um, happening on the various facilities that DWR owns and maintains. And then there's capacity. Um, limitations and bottlenecks as well that I'm not going to dive into too much today. So real quick, there's a lot of key terms that we throw out. So human health and safety, these are the definitions. That's basically the unmet water needs 
for the domestic supply. That's your fire protection, your sanitation, um, and it's within a contractor's service area for that calendar year. So DWR runs on a calendar year from January to December, not the water year. And Article 56, that is what we call our spill water. So I'm going to dive a little bit more into that, but that's the water that's stored at San Luis Reservoir. Article 21 is deliveries above the scheduled table A amounts. So this is the interruptible, unscheduled, or surplus water. We typically see this in wet years. And then our table A is what we are allocated um, with our DWR contract as a state water contractor. And this has provisions and certain expectations that the state, um, whether or not they will deliver that full allocation to us. So a little bit about um, Article 56C. So San Luis Reservoir, this is on the I-5 and the Highway 152, kind of where that meets. It's a joint use facility and it serves both State Water Project and the Federal Bureau of Rec Managed Central Valley Project. So it is one of the nation's largest off-stream reservoirs. So DWR and the Bureau of Rec can store water there for their various uses and needs and then the state water contractors can also store water there. So this is when there is unused storage available in the reservoirs. So we definitely saw this in the beginning of last year. Um, I know I personally drove up to Shasta and saw the levels really, really, really low. We were seeing it all over the news. The levels were really low, so there was a lot of storage available and unused storage. So as the storms came and hit, we uh, filled the reservoir and D DWR and the Central Valley filled it. And then once Sorry, Melody. Uh, just one second. I wanted to provide a little con context. If you go back one slide. Yeah. Um, when, when San Luis Reservoir was built and constructed uh, start, you know, with, with the State Water Project, the idea was that it would turn over each year, um, that water would be stored there and it would serve contractor needs throughout the year under Table A deliveries. As we saw with some of the decisions related to environmental constraints and so on, we saw a reduction in our reliability, um, which meant the allocation we expected to receive on an annual basis would, was reduced significantly, right? So it wasn't, it, we weren't getting 100% each year like we were in the 90s anymore. So, um, you know, in the 2000s, we start to see significant reductions. That left, you know, a silver lining, an opportunity for storage because there was unused space within San Luis Reservoir. Um, and so it was part of a contract amendment um, called the Monterey Amendment. The contractors negotiate with DWR to use incidental storage that's available in um, project facilities uh, as kind of a second um, priority basis. So if DWR needed that space to, to move water to meet table A throughout the year, they could spill water, which Melody will get to. But um, uh, outside of that, there was the opportunity for, for contractors to store. So we've relied on this heavily over the years. Um, and so I, sorry, I just want to provide that background. Go ahead. No, that was useful, Adnan, and I think he covered that, and for the sake of time, um, I think you can see it in these images as they use it. Um, our carryover is subject to spill, and we have a 2% um, shared space available in the San Luis Reservoir that's um, allocated based off of our Table A allocations. And so we did spill last year, and we will go more into that. So real quick, a timeline. So last December 2022, um, we had the 5% health and human safety. And then in the beginning of the year, we started taking that Article 56 water, that carryover water before it spilled. 
in February on the 22nd, DWR announced a 35% allocation increase to the Table A amounts. By mid-March, Article 21 water was offered. This is, remember, the amount that they're, they're, they're anticipating some spill. They want you to take it so they can make more room in their storage. And unfortunately, we did spill about 10,000 acre feet. In March, um, towards the end of March, DWR announced an increase of 75%. And then by April, we had the 100% announcement. And by July, that tapered off. Um, and Article 21 water was officially suspended, and then that's when we began taking our Table A. Hey, Melody, so maybe you could explain that the spill. So that's the reservoir's full, water's going over, we lose our water, it doesn't come back as far as that goes, correct? Right, my understanding of it is it goes out to the ocean. It, it could, um, but it could also be offered as Article 21. So the Article 21 offerings made by DWR at the time could be comprised of basically it's converting water stored in San Luis to Table A, and then any exports that are happening are being offered as interruptible supply. So that's kind of mechanically what's happening. Um, if contractors aren't able to fully take advantage of Article 21 being offered by DWR at any given point, then yes, that would represent foregone pumping or water left to the ocean. Do we have the opportunity to take that spill at that time? I mean, when we know it's coming, or how does that work? So Melody is going to cover this, I think, with some of the what we actually took for delivery. So in the in the event, well, in the case of the 10,000 acre foot spill happening in March, we weren't able to move all the water in time before Article 21 started to get offered. So some of that offering included our carryover, but we still elected to take Article 21. Uh, agency is subject to constraints in aqueduct capacity. The aqueduct is constructed essentially to deliver 100% of an allocation. Now. You get that allocation happening or announced in April. Contractors haven't moved all that you know much water ahead of that because we were under health and safety and low allocations. Uh, so everyone's moving water at the same time. So we're really pressed it down to our contractual limits, which creates one of that you know one of those issues uh, moving water. But uh, we did take advantage of Article 21. We sort of made up the spill and more. Um, and Melody will cover that in a, in a future slide. Sorry. No, that's great. So um, I'm in a, the next series of slides, I'm going to kind of move pretty quickly. What I wanted to show is San Luis Reservoir um, over time from December of last year. Um, and so on the image on the left-hand side, you can see the total capacity of the reservoir was at 25%. And this is a pretty cool website that you can go to yourselves that DWR puts out to show the reservoir um, conditions and how much storage is actually available. And so in December, we were looking pretty slim. And in January, still pretty slim. <laughs> but by February, we had those series of stores come in and we started to raise. And then in March, um, again, we're starting to cap off at that historic average and the capacity just keeps growing. And by April, we, I mean, it slammed us and it filled pretty quick. So it maintained um, a high capacity May, June, and then in July and August in the warmer months, of course, it started to drop, as you can see in these images. And so MWA did purchase water, and we delivered the entire year of basically 2023. So we were able to deliver 4,095 acre feet in the Article 56 that 
um, carry over water before it spilled. And then we did take 35,465 acre feet of the Article 21. And out of our Table A, we were able to deliver nearly 60,000 acre feet. And so our total um, deliveries were 99,543 acre feet with a total DWR cost of 23.7 million, roughly. Just the variable. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is historic. Um, we have never delivered this much water to our region. And so this graph here, I kind of pulled this down last minute this morning. And so you can see the allocation percentages in the blue bars over time. These are all of the DWR uh, state water project allocations over time from 1996 until present. So um, if you put a trend line on this, which I don't show here, unfortunately, you can see that it's declining and tremendously variable. So our last 100% Table A allocation was in 2006 and then last year. So um, out of our uh, Table A allocation, which this graph is a little deceiving um, in some regards, and it was put together last minute, so I do apologize, but the 89,800 acre feet has not always been our Table A allocation. That amount has grown over time, so this is a little bit of an unfair table, so I'll throw that out there. But um, for our recharge amounts, you can see in the blue line there, in 2006, we took um, from our Table A allocations, and this is from Bulletin 132 that DWR puts out. Um, so we took roughly 46,000 acre feet at that time, and so um, taking nearly 60,000 acre feet this year of our Table A, it's the most amount of water that we've put in um, here at Mojave Water Agency. And where did we put this? So we delivered it um, all across our entire service area in our recharge basin. So this kind of um, alludes to what Adnan was discussing earlier is we have some limitations, not just with the state water project, but our own infrastructure. So it's really important that we have recharge basins and pipelines and an awesome operations team that continues to maintain these facilities and keep them functional and operational. And they really pulled out no stops this last year. Um, and making sure that we could hit these deliveries. So um, you can see on this map on the left, um, the locations where we had deliveries um, dropped and or deliveries for our, um, uh, what is it, Ordinance 9 deliveries. And then this uh, map shows the cumulative storage that was put into MWA this last year, and this does not include the customer deliveries. These are the R-cubed um, deliveries that were given. And then this is where we're at now. So San Luis Reservoir is higher than it was uh, this time last year, which is good. And if you look at the chart on the right, you can see the light blue is the historical average, and you can see the seasonal uh, wet months from February to June-ish. And the graph shows the storage level. So the dark blue line at the top is the total capacity. The blue line that's running um, kind of up and through there is the... Um, is the wet the I'm sorry is the wet year and the red line is the dry year 
So they did do the second uh, snow survey on January 30th. DWR conducted that. Overall conditions are below normal. Uh, these surveys are one of the several factors that go into the precipitation studies that DWR uses in order to determine uh, what our Table A allocations will be for the year, not just the reservoir capacities, but this is also one of the other um, things that they use. So where we're at currently, currently we're at 10% of Table A. Um, that means we have 8,980 acre feet that we can put into our basins. And DWR's first allocation is always very conservative. And then the um, usual allocations will continue to be issued December through April. So we're expecting one anytime soon. And it's still too early to say if we're going to have a wet or dry El Nino. But I think this storm and the one that's going to hit us in the next few years, in the next few weeks, is going to help us um, determine and see what we're getting there. So that's it. I can take any questions. Okay, um, anybody in the audience or online, this is your chance to ask any questions. I will say, um, when I looked at some of this prior in the past couple of weeks, I was pretty impressed at the amount of water we got in the ground or that MWA was able to get in the ground and take from uh, the project last year. So those numbers are big. Um, questions, anybody? Anybody online, you seeing anybody? That's how thorough that presentation was. Very good, thank you. Um, we appreciate it. Um, next, we will go to uh, an informational update on Big Bear Wastewater Reclamation Project. Bar BBAWWR and Lane Carlson from WSC has given the presentation. Um, and we get to test out the new podium arrangement today. One second. You'll see the red light come on in a second here. Okay, looks good. All right, yeah, that sounds better. All right, I'm Lane Carlson with WSC. I'm the consultant program manager for Replenish Big Bear. So I'm going to give you an update today. Um, we also have on the line several um, of the agency uh, members. It was snowing pretty good in Big Bear today, so they elected to stay off the roads, but they're available to answer any questions. Um, you've probably heard something about this project. We currently um, have the draft uh, programmatic EIR out for public comment, so we thought this was a timely update. Um, so I'm gonna walk you through a project overview and then give you a quick summary of some of the key uh, conclusions from the EIR that impact uh, this region. So um, as I mentioned, this is a project. It's a multi-agency project. These are the, the five um, project partners. Barwa is the lead agency for CEQA. David Lawrence, general manager, is on the line. Big Bear City CSD um, is a partner. They provide potable water service. Uh, Glenn Jacklin, their GM, is on the line. Big Bear Municipal Water District manages the lake, um, and you'll see that's where some of the water is planned to go. Um, City of Big Bear Lake Department of Water and Power also provides uh, domestic water to a portion of Big Bear Valley. General Manager Reggie Lampson is on the line. And then uh, Bear Valley Basin Groundwater Sustainability as a, as a partner. This project is an important part of their GSP. 
So um, as you may know, Big Bear has looked at reusing their wastewater many times over the last few decades. Um, and this, the current iteration um, of the project that's being implemented now was envisioned in 2016 um, after that severe drought when um, the east end of the lake and the marsh look like what you're seeing here in this photo. Um, so in Big Bear, the natural precipitation is their only source of water. They don't have access to imported water from any sources. Um, and the drought and low lake levels that continue to happen over the years um, threaten their water supply, economy, and ecosystem, so they're looking for ways, they have been for decades, looking for ways to reuse this water. Uh, currently, all of the water is discharged outside of their watershed to a 480-acre agricultural site here in Lucerne Valley. It's used for um, irrigation and disposal at that site. And so they're looking to reclaim that water and, and reuse most of it in Big Bear for beneficial use. And so the elements of this project, um, it's a multi-benefit project that'll be used in various places throughout the Big Bear Valley. Um, so the, the primary um, improvement is going to be uh, advanced treatment upgrades at Barwa's uh, treatment plant. There's one regional treatment plant that collects all the wastewater in Big Bear. Um, and that's gonna produce about 2,200 acre feet a year of purified water. In the future, they'll have the option to put that um, in Shea Pond if they pursue that. Currently, potable water is being used to maintain the habitat in this pond. Um, and so they may have an opportunity to reclaim that potable water for public use. But currently, the plan is to put all of that water um, in a pipeline, discharge it to the east end of Stanfield Marsh, which was that dry water body you saw in the prior photo. And from there, it'll flow into Big Bear Lake. They're hydraulically connected. So that'll improve lake levels. Um, for recreation and habitat. And once it's in the lake, um, they'll have the option to pull it out. The green facilities there, there's a pump station and pipeline that are currently used to draw out lake water for snowmaking. And so the concept is that those could be used for joint use during the summer um, and pump some of that water up to replace an irrigation water source, which would provide in the groundwater recharge, um, provide a new water source for a bike park there that's being expanded. Um, and then some of it would be used to replenish the groundwater basin directly um, through groundwater recharge in Sand Canyon. So there's a, a range of um, you know, lake level, habitat, recreation, and groundwater recharge benefits that are planned as part of this project. The lake, as a result, the lake will be full more often, and so there will likely be some additional downstream releases that go to the San Bernardino Valley and can be recharged at that location. And the treatment um, is going to be sized for a base flow. And so those peak flows um, in the winter months, which I'll show you a graph here a little bit later, would the idea is that they would continue to go to that site in Lucerne Valley for irrigation and disposal. So this slide shows the black line there is the historic lake levels that reached a um, a new record low in 2019, and so the blue is with project. Um, the lake levels would have been about four and a half feet higher if this project had begun um, in the past. So that's a, a pretty significant benefit um, for Big Bear Valley. And then in terms of groundwater sustainability, um, the black line there you'll see is the projected sustainable yield, which according to the climate change models will decline over time. Um, and so this project provides an additional 500 acre feet a year buffer um, for groundwater sustainability. So next I'm going to give you a quick overview of where we're at with the draft EIR um, and the specific conclusions uh, that impact uh, Lucerne Valley. 
Um, so as part of CEQA, the EIR looks at all of these categories. Um, all of the ones shown there in purple are identified as less than significant with mitigation. But there are four um, that the EIR concludes could result in significant impacts. And you'll see three of those do occur here in the Lucerne Valley. So I'm going to focus on those today, anticipating those are the ones that are most important to this group. So in terms of utilities and service systems, um, of course, you know, a fundamental impact of this project is that it will result in less discharge to that site in Lucerne Valley, some of which um, is expected to be recharged in the groundwater basin. So it will reduce, result in a reduction of discharge to that site, um, which impacts the basin. So this is a kind of a quick overview of how the site is used now. Um, all of Barwa's recycled water goes to the concrete balancing reservoir. Um, and then primary use is for crop irrigation and anything that's not used on the crops is sent to um, unlined discharge basins for disposal there on site. And this is regulated by a permit through the Colorado River Regional Board. Historically, based on 2012 to 2022 flows, about 2,190 acre feet have been going down there. Um, about 39% of that has gone to the unlined basins and 61% has been applied to the crops. As part of the notice of preparation for the EIR, we were asked to look at how much of that water, to estimate how much of that water might actually be contributing to the groundwater basin versus crop irrigation or evaporation. So this graphic represents that. Um, I will say that this is probably conservative. Um, you know, it doesn't include things like wind evaporation. It may be overestimating the amount that's actually getting into the basin, but we wanted to be conservative for these purposes. Um, so based on this analysis between excess irrigation and water that's discharged to those ponds, it's assumed that they percolate to the groundwater basin, although that hasn't been well studied. Um, it's about 1,610 acre feet that's estimated to have been recharging the basin historically. Going forward, the plan um, is to provide, um, you know, the replenished Big Bird treatment train will be a 2.2 MGD base flow. So for many months during the year, that is all of the flow um, that Barrow receives. And in the winter, so this graph here shows the peak flows that would continue to be discharged to that Lucerne Valley site, primarily in the winter when flows are above that base flow of 2.2 MGD. This is a long-term average uh, number. It'd be about 340 acre feet per year going forward. Um, during wet winters like last year, it could be you know something close to 8 MGD in the winter. And during a dry winter, it could be significantly less. So this is a long-term average. Um, so the intent is to continue discharging um, some of the flow to this site. And you know, Barwa and the partners are open to working with Mojave Water Agency and any other local stakeholders to figure out how to make the best beneficial use of uh, this remaining water. So that's the impact in terms of water uh, quantity. In terms of water quality, um, I'll show you some, some graphs on the, on the coming slides, but the ER conclusion is that the Barwa water quality for TDS and nitrate, which is what they monitor for primarily, um, is better than what's in the downstream monitoring walls of the site. And so we don't anticipate that it's degrading the groundwater quality, but by removing it out, there may be some impact. Um, so let me show you. Um, oh, in 2016, the Colorado River, Colorado River Regional Board did ask Barwa to look at that, to take a look at historical discharges and TDS and uh, nitrogen balance beneath the groundwater. Um, and so Tom Harder did that evaluation, their hydrogeologist. 
um, and determined that since Barbas water is lower in concentrations, that it wasn't the primary source of higher TDS and nitrogen concentrations near that site. So this is an overview of the site. There are three monitoring wells. Um, one is upstream of the operation that's intended to capture you know, sort of the ambient groundwater quality before it's impacted by the site. And there are two downstream. So on the next graphs, I'm going to show you MW1 is upstream, two and three are downstream. So this is TDS. The blue there is the upstream monitoring well. The purple is Barwa's discharge. And the red and the green are the downstream monitoring wells. So you can see that Barwa's TDS discharge has been relatively stable between four and 500. That depends on drought conditions over the years. Um, and that the TDS in the upstream well there in blue has been trending up over time. Um, and the TDS in the downstream wells has actually been trending down and then more recently up. So based on the analysis, um, there doesn't appear to be a correlation between the TDS and Barwa's discharge um, and those downstream wells. Um, and so that uh, you know led them to believe that there's likely some other upgradient sources, you know potentially septic systems that are contributing as well. In terms of nitrogen, um, again, Barwa's discharge is there in purple. The upstream well is there in blue, and the downstream wells are in red and green. So um, more recently, since about 2005, Barwa made some process improvements that reduced the nitrate in their wastewater, and so it's been significantly lower since that time. Um, it's been pretty stable in the upstream wells, um, and then higher there in the downstream wells. So. Again, looking at these concentrations, it doesn't appear that the Barwa discharge is, um, you know, the cause of higher elevation or higher nitrate um, concentrations in those downstream wells. Um, certainly, the on-site agricultural operation could be contributing both TDS and nitrate. Um, although, looking at the last, you know, 10, 15 years of operation, there is no evidence that the crops are being over-fertilized on that site. Um, so we, we don't believe that that's, um, you know, been a significant contributor. So I think that's the extent of the water quality slides. The third impact um, noted is for agricultural and forestry resources. Um, this is something that's required to be looked at by CEQA. And this site is designated as prime farmland, and farmland has statewide importance under agricultural production. I believe that's based on the soil type uh, primarily. And so because this project will result in less water available, um, it will cause a, at least a portion of the site to remain fallow in the future. And so this loss is considered a significant impact under CEQA. And that's documented in the EIR as well. So those are the three specific impacts I wanted to highlight for you guys. Um, the, as I mentioned, the public review process is ongoing. Um, it was recently extended the deadline to February 20th, 5 p.m. So you can see um, on the screen here and in your handouts the contact information. Um, if you do want to submit a comment letter, um, you can do that. And if you want access to the entire EIR um, and the attachments, that's there on the Replenish Big Bear website. So that's, that concludes the presentation. Happy to answer any questions. Just before we go to questions, I want to extend my thanks to Lane and uh, those on the phone, uh, all the project proponents. They, they met with the agency, spent time with us to walk us through the, uh, the EIR um, document, uh, which is quite significant uh, and really well written. But also, uh, they agreed to providing this presentation on, a, I think, just last week. So they cobbled this together and did a great job. So thank you for, for showing up. Me too. Thanks.
Yeah, with that, if there's any questions or even comments out there or even comments from any of the uh, participants in this project, we, we would welcome it at this time. Chuck, I knew your hand was going to go up. Yeah, yeah, I had that predicted. Maybe we could get the mic to him, um, Patrice. <laughs> Is it on? Yeah. Yeah, I've gone through the impact report thoroughly, and it really is a great document. It's probably one of the best I've ever read. You get seasick scrolling up and down trying to find stuff, but it's, uh, it's good. And uh, we, uh, in Lucerne Valley, we commented in the notice of prep, and they very honest about dealing with the issues that we brought up. So uh, the issue for us, and probably MWA, is physical safe yield and what it really means to any reduction in our physical safe yield because of the, which is the barway effluent was included in our physical safe yield amount. And uh, so we'll work, we'll work with you guys and, and, uh, and Bob Wagner and try to figure out exactly what we're losing, if any, and what it means, of course, to the adjudication because the less physical safe yield you got, the more the judge ramps you down. Um, we've got a few questions about nitrates, primarily maybe before 1990. It's something we'll work out. Um, Tom Dodson and, and Caitlin and I are we're old friends, and so we, we can, when we make comments, I'm sure we'll get a response to it. Um, so in terms of the, uh, uh, the fields itself, it's not really a TAC issue or MWA, but we're going to have to figure out how to take care of the fallowed fields, reclaim them, and uh, they pretty much promised to help us with it. And we will help them through the Resource Conservation District to come up with ways, hopefully we can get some permanent native desert vegetation going, which might take some water. We might want to start pretty soon while we got water because most of that area is not even farmed right now because of the water conservation. But anyway, the impact report is good. These guys, Barwa, they send out information, they keep everybody informed. So, so far it's been a good process. Appreciate that comment, Chuck. Credit to Tom Dodson and Associates for uh, the uh, EIR. I'll pass on your comment. I think I saw another hand up over. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is is um, Big Bear up there, Lane? Is it 100% groundwater? Right? Is that what it there is? 100% groundwater. Yeah. So the idea for this is is to offset groundwater use for irrigation, and then also to uh, use it to recharge. Yeah. So both in lieu and direct recharge. And then what's, what's the advanced treatment look like? What, what, what's the process there? You, 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 you don't have to talk question. to I can yeah. hear you. The, uh, the advanced treatment process is the typical um, Title 22. So it's um, tertiary filtration, it's ultrafiltration, and then reverse osmosis and UV advanced oxidation. Um, and that's required to be able to put the water in the lake because the water quality objectives are very, very stringent for the lake. The TDS water quality objective is 175 milligrams per liter. And um, it has a nutrient uh, total maximum daily load for phosphorus. And so the phosphorus limit is 0.035. And then nitrogen is also very low. So it's primarily driven by 
um, the you know pristine water quality in the lake and trying to match that to meet the basin plan regulations. So brine uh, disposal is a significant um, concern for them. They are planning to handle that there at the Barwa site. And then I'm sure you've been looking at, uh, I'm, I'm just curious from a, a, a water purveyor here, um, funding for it as well as rates impacts. I know advanced treatment is quite expensive. Yeah, so um, because it's a multi-benefit project and uh, provides drought mitigation for a vulnerable area, it, we've been pretty successful in getting grants. So uh, BARWA has received several grants from Reclamation through the Title 16 Water Reuse Program, looking to get, um, I think they have three awards so far, um, looking to get up to 25% grants from that program. Um, $5 million from the state's IRWM program, um, and then several awards through um, the Congress Congressional Appropriations uh, Project. So I forget the number, but um, we're, we're continuing to look for state grants, but it is a, you know, a significant cost to do advanced treatment. And rates are anticipated to take a hit as well, right? Yeah, Barwa's already gone through that rate process, so they have the rates in place um, to cover the project cost. Um, they're also seeking a WIFI loan, which is supposed to close in the next few months to fund the, pretty much the balance of the project. Yeah, just from my perspective, I think they're taking on um, what everybody's going to be facing coming up, so uh, you're just one of the first. Other questions, comments? Ben? I'm sorry. Help me with names. Uh, my name is Capo from the MWA. You got it. So the yeah, according to the yes, you got it. So according to the last USGS study, uh, Lucerne Valley is a three aquifer system. Do you know which uh, aquifer these wells are screened in? I do not. Um, Melody asked that question before. I believe they're drilled to about 150 feet deep. Um, there is an attachment to the EIR. Um, that was done by Tom Harder, and it does include the well details in there. And if you want any other information, we'd be happy to provide that. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Other questions or comments? Well, okay. hearing none, thank you very much, Lane, for the presentation today, and, and uh, thank the agencies for uh, agreeing to this. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Okay, we'll move on to item number nine. Um, that is uh, MWA update on up, upcoming activities and outreach. And I know Charlene has uh, been very diligent at uh, some of these efforts for sure. So um, yeah, we'll kick it off to her. Good morning, can everybody hear me okay? I think we got gotcha. you. Wonderful. I apologize for not being there in person, especially since this is my first time having the honor of presenting at this committee, but I'm running a fever and I didn't want to risk getting anyone sick, so I'm just going to keep my germs to myself and jump right in. So next slide. Mojave Water Agency, we offer a full calendar of activities, classes, outreach events, and more plan for 2024. And although these are coordinated by the Public Information Office, all of this outreach takes collaboration between not only the departments in Mojave Water Agency, but community partners as well, which you'll see here in the next few slides. 
I won't read them all off, but on the right-hand side of this slide, you can see the variety of outreach opportunities we offer. Um, this is just a limited list. We um, will add things uh, throughout the year based on uh, opportunities, opportunities that we get in the community, and uh, so we, we keep pretty busy uh, all throughout the year. Go ahead and next slide. So next week is actually one of our biggest youth events. It's our Innovators Youth Water Summit. It's on Friday, February 9th in Victorville. And if you're not familiar with this summit, this is one of our signature outreach events for middle and high school students in our service area. The event is designed to educate these young minds about different water-related topics depending on the year. This year, our theme is the future of water. And the idea is that we show them that these students have a place in the future of water, whether it's working in the water industry or just being more responsible stewards of water. To help us do that this year, we're collaborating with the California State University San Bernardino's Institute of Water Resources. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we'll have a team of undergraduate and graduate students on hand presenting our keynote speech, conducting our two breakout sessions, and making themselves available for questions during the event. And we're really excited about this. I know that we used to work with Cal State San Bernardino uh, a while ago, and things probably were interrupted by the pandemic and other things like that. So we're really, really grateful uh, to be working with them again. And we're also grateful to the County of San Bernardino, who has returned this year as a sponsor. Uh, we also are going to have representatives from different uh, agencies and entities that <clears throat> Mojave Water Agency works with to have hands-on stations in the lobby of the venue. And so we're always looking for additional sponsors to help grow and make this event a bigger success um, and, and hands-on help. So you can reach out to the PAO department if you'd like to be part of that. If not this year, this then future years, and also among any of the other uh, events that we have coming up, which you'll see here soon. Go ahead and change the slide. <clears throat> so one feature event of our summit will be a presentation given by this year's essay contest winner, Alexis Cisneros. Uh, earning this title is no easy task. At the end of last year, we promoted our annual essay contest and received 42 entries from high school students all over our service area. Uh, these entries were judged by a group of our region's best communicators, including Gisela Corona Gonzalez. She's the public, public relations and marketing coordinator for the academic, the Academy for Academic Excellence. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Uh, Shannon Dunkel, she's a public relations specialist for the town of Apple Valley. Uh, Miriam Munoz is the public information officer for the city of Barstow, and we also got an assist by Kathleen Radnich, and she is our outreach consultant out in the Morongo Basin. Our judges narrowed down the field to three finalists, and they were paired with prominent members of our community who, mentor, who mentored each of the finalists as they converted their written essay into an in-person presentation that they delivered in front of the judges and an audience of friends and family right here in the boardroom. And uh, it's, it's really an exciting night. We want the students to feel special and really feel the impact of what they're doing um, for the community by being involved in water. So it's a really big deal. If you want to go ahead and change the slide, our finalists 
this year and their mentors were, of course, our winner, Alexis Cisneros. She's a senior at Hesperia High School, and she was mentored by Hesperia City Manager Rachel Molina. Then we had Diego Cruz. He's a junior at Oak Hills High School. He was mentored by Chris Nunez who is the Director of Fund Development and Scholarships at the Victor Valley College Foundation. And then we also had Mariana Strong, a sophomore at Oak Hills High School. She was mentored by Terry Sines, and she's the Public Relations and Marketing Manager for ICR Staffing. So uh, as you can see, we pair them up with uh, people in the community because we really want to help them build those connections. And uh, it's an exciting night. So let's see, go ahead and change the slide. And our outreach isn't limited to students. We host a variety of classes and events for adults and families. Uh, we held a Wonders of Water workshop last November and have several planned for 2024. Um, if you're not familiar, Wonders of Water used to be called ABCs of Water, and so we've retooled that a little bit. And then on Thursday, last Thursday, a week ago, we began our Seed to Salad online course. We do that in partnership with the Mojave Resource Conservation District, and this is a free weekly series of classes that will teach participants how to garden with the end goal of harvesting and eating what they grow, but also they're being taught how to do it in a water conservative manner. Um, just because we live in a desert doesn't mean we have to drown our plants to make them grow, and they get just vital information. It's a 15-week class, and so these are going to continue through May 2nd, and you can find a sign-up link on the agency's website. Last week was an overview, so we're really going to get into the meat of it beginning tonight, and it's not too late uh, to sign up for that. Slide. The Resource Conservation District also has several more virtual classes planned, not the long workshops that are 15 weeks, but these can be one night or a couple of nights. And the most recent was our two-part class on how to design drip irrigation system. And again, all of these classes and links to register are on our website. Slide. Uh, this is just a, a photo I wanted to throw in from last year, last October. Uh, we do a number of career fairs, and I say career fairs, not job fairs. We're reaching out and, again, getting that early um, early touch points with students, letting them know that they can have a future in water in some aspect. So that slide's a little out of order, uh, but thank you very much. Okay, so one of our newest outreach and education prog programs is our water sleuth program. We recently did a pilot run of this hands-on program, and it teaches students about basin recharge and water quality. It's very interactive, and it gives students an opportunity to be a part of creating water sustainability in their community and for generations to come. And we look forward to being able to bring this to uh, several areas in our service area, and we're excited about what this, this program can grow into. Slide. All right, in December, board member Marina West attended the ribbon cutting of the newly installed Mojave Desert Land Trust Discovery Garden. Uh, this was made possible by our strategic partners grant program that the agency offers each year. I wanna give recognition to our conservation specialist, Liz Fratt, who administers this program. There's a lot of work involved in managing the applications, tracking the projects, accepting the receipts, and processing the reimbursements. 
And among all of the projects we've gone over so far, I want to note that we also continue to engage in a lot of other standard public information and community outreach functions and tasks. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've continued to grow and engage on social media thanks to the diligence of our communication specialist, Kenny Sousa. And if you're not following us on Facebook and Instagram, you really should. We usually post links to our latest press releases, uh, show featured photos from our events and activities, and a lot more. Uh, the more we all like and share these items collaboratively, the better it is for the entire water industry in our service area. And this slide is uh, just, just showing how we continue to network with numerous partner organizations, uh, the Greater High Desert Chamber of Commerce, High Desert Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Southern California Water Coalition, the California Groundwater Commission, just, just a lot of them. We uh, interact with them every month. Uh, sometimes weekly depending on the agency and we just want to continue to engage in the community and so that happens a lot. Some of these are bi-monthly, quarterly, um, and we just continue to strengthen those partnerships. So slide, I think I just have one more. Um, I'll just wrap things up by encouraging you to participate in one of the many events that we have coming up. Uh, we do things all year long and again, you know, that famous saying that a rising tide uh, raises all ships, and if you have any questions or want to get involved, I would encourage you to reach out to our office. And that concludes my report. <clears throat> Thank you, Charlene. Um, I will give a plug for the Water Summit. I've been to it before, and it's just a, a, a great event. Um, I believe the one year I went, they had a young engineer from UCLA speak. Is that ring a bell? Yes. Yes, and last year's keynote speaker was actually one of our, this is a, a neat story, one of our essay contest finalists. He wasn't even the first place winner, but as a result of him doing the research for his essay, he changed his major from engineering, a non-water engineering degree, to water resources, and he is now working in Colorado for a water agency, and he came back and spoke to the students last year. Yeah, that, that presentation was so impressive and, and just the fact or just the way this this really young engineer connected with the students was just awesome. It was a great presentation, I will say. And the other plug I'd give is to some of the tours that MWA um, offers. I would encourage everybody to take advantage of that. Um, I didn't for years and finally went on one, and it is you learn a lot. I thought I knew everything, but I found out I don't know much. So um, take advantage of those. I think you even get lunch if you need some encouragement. So um, <laughs> comments or questions from anybody on, on uh, this presentation? Quick comment about our next tour. Um, normally they are, they are done on a weekday. We are doing our first tour in a very long time on a Saturday. I believe the link is already open for that. If it's not, it will be, but it's on a Saturday. So we anticipate it may fill up very, very quickly. So I would uh, look into that if you're interested. Okay, very good. Well, thank you, Charlene. We'll move on to item 11, which is updates, announcements, and comments. Um, I, I, I will say um, this is an opportunity to, since, since this is not a, um, say, a Brown Act meeting, is that, is that correct? Um, we do have the flexibility to bring things up and discuss things here amongst our group. So, take advantage of this opportunity, um, especially when it comes to suggesting future 
agenda items. The exec TAC works pretty hard to come up with things they want to know about or believe that everybody else might want to hear. But um, please, if there's things, presentations you'd like to see, um, email us or tell us at these meetings what, what you'd like to see upcoming. Um, I know one of the ones that's been on my mind is uh, an adjudication 101 just to get a presentation to really for folks who haven't read it, uh, paid cover to cover, um, get a good overview of it and really understand um, how complex but yet brilliant um, it is. So that's one of the upcoming ones. But anyway, I'll open it up um, now to any updates, announcements, or comments. I think we'll start first with the agency if, if Adnan has anything. Nothing at this time, thanks. And anybody from the public in the audience? Darren. <laughs> yeah, you can get up. You're welcome to come up. Those of you who don't know me, again, I'm Darren Polson, a GM from BBWRA. A couple keen projects that I think we're working on that we want to share with everybody. One is the fact that we, if you saw the press release here recently, we just signed a letter of intent to collaborate uh, with the Fender Mutual Water Group, basically to start evaluating what I've presented to you in the past with regards to this one water concept, now actually um, ultimately potentially finding a way to kind of work together uh, with the future project with Cadiz and the Fender Group, seeing if we can't find some mutual benefit with regards to assets and pipeline and goals with regards to recharge uh, with um, my recycled water and finding ways to work together with them on that matter. So something we're very interested in partnering with. The hope is that together we can find greater funding uh, and be able to do something more significant. I know we've done a, had a few other conversations. There was a, an article that came out today. The city of Atlanta signed a similar letter of intent to participate in the conversations on kind of the world of what could be with regards to one water in the Mojave Basin. Um, we're working with a number of other agencies to hopefully provide them similar information to where they can bring and you know, be a seat at the table and we start having those discussions. Another thing that I want to share with all of you, and I haven't even officially asked Adnan yet whether Mojave Water Agency wants to participate, and that is <clears throat> VVWRA asked our board um, at our last board meeting. We, we were talking about creating an Earth Day event at VVWRA where we would invite the public and member agencies and other agencies to come and participate with us, and we're looking to provide tours on site of the treatment plant, also provide tours for the renewable natural gas project that's going on, and American Organics, our other partner there, also wants to provide tours with how they're doing recycling of green waste on site. So we're just getting that kick started, but tentatively look for a <clears throat> kind of an announcement of save the date. We're targeting April 20th, which is the Saturday before the Monday Earth Day. Um, so hopefully you guys will start seeing some some flyers and some information on that. And Adnan, I'll be reaching out and hopefully having your team help us participate with some kind of you know, table exercise that day at the finish. So. <clears throat> Any other questions on those things that I've discussed? Otherwise, thank you for your time. Thanks. Anybody else? Okay. Um, um, I think uh, congratulations, Dan Best, on your new appointment. I think Assistant General Manager at Bighorn Desert View. I have it right. Okay. <laughs> And then I also just wanted to publicly recognize Melody for, for 
keeping these meetings on task and really being the one doing the heavy lifting. Um, we appreciate you tremendously, so thank you. And with that, we'll get you out of here early today. We'll adjourn the meeting at 11.18. Thank you all. <laughs>